We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, you can turn with me in the bulletin. Uh, we're going to read aloud our text for today, or you can turn in your scripture. We're going to be in Philippians 1, 20 through 26. So let's stand as we read this aloud together. This then is the text for today. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. May God bless the reading of his word. You may want to leave your uh, Bible open. We're going to come back to that a couple of times here as we get going. This uh, may be one of the most grace-filled, spirit-filled responses a person has ever uttered. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Remember from the last couple of weeks that we've had together in the book of Philippians, Paul is now imprisoned. Or at this point, he is under house arrest. And that house arrest means that he is literally chained to a guard. Uh, chains around his wrist, chains around a guard wrist, a wrist all day long. Every four hours, they would rotate guards on who is going to be chained to him. And Paul lived like that for two years. And now he knows there is an end coming, a trial. And the culmination of this trial is going to mean one of two things. He is either going to be executed by the Roman government or he is going to be set free, an innocent man. And so now as we come to this text today, it is as if he is weighing those two things and trying to work out which one of those two things is best, whether I am executed or I am set free, to live as Christ and to die is gain. You know, when we think of executions, we usually think of things like last meals. Paul is imagining heaven. Or when we face the possibility or even thought of death, we work through things like bucket lists. Paul can't wait to meet Jesus face to face. In fact, look down at verse 23 with me again. This, this is how he describes that moment. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions, and in both directions he means life or death. I'm hard-pressed in most, uh, both directions, having the desire to depart 
and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Why do our hearts most naturally go to a final bucket of KFC? <laughs> or finally bungee jumping when we are faced with death? There's something much greater on both sides than those kinds of things. There's something much greater than fried foods or a thrill ride. You see, in this, we, we see this, this is a letter of a man deeply devoted to the person of the Christ. And as Paul has drawn in near to God through the years, he's showing it in this moment, this moment between life and death. He didn't look at this predicament as a worrisome crossroads. Rather, he saw another opportunity to dine with God. He was faced with a trial that was going to leave him executed or set free. And he was content either way because he knew who Jesus Christ was. In fact, I want us to look again. Let's read 21 through 24, knowing those things. Let's look at this again. To, to live, to be set free is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm executed, that would be a win. But if I'm to live on in the flesh, so if I'm set free, this is going to be fruitful labor for me. And I don't know which one to choose. He said, like, I don't know whether I want to be executed or I want to work for the Lord. And so he, he keeps going here. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart, to be with Christ, for that's very much better. Yet to remain on, if I am set free, if I am released from this prison, it's more necessary for your sake. I'm going to do a good work for the kingdom of God, and that means I'm going to work hard for Jesus Christ, and I'm going to work hard with you. You know, it's interesting here. The central image of this text is missing in our English translations. In verse 23, when, mark this in verse 23. When Paul says, I desire to depart, that's actually a common military phrase. It's a military metaphor he's using here that takes him out of the chains and places him in the middle of a battlefield awaiting orders. Paul pictures himself here in an army camp. And he's not sure if he's supposed to be packing up this army camp so that he can go home or if he's going to be redeployed in the fight for the gospel. He's waiting, and he doesn't know which one he'd rather do. Does he want to go home and feast in heaven? Or does he want to stay and fight with his comrades on this earthly battlefield for the kingdom of God? And, and he seems to be wrestling with this here. It's almost like, I, I, I think I have more value with my, my comrades in the trenches fighting for the sake of the kingdom of God, fighting for the gospel, proclaiming Jesus Christ every step of the way. I think there's real value there, and I think that's what I can do well for the kingdom of God. But here Paul, as he's waiting in the midst of the battlefield, he, he's, he's saying, however God decides to use me, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight for the gospel, but in the same breath, I'm ready to go home to heaven. But see, what we need to understand, and this is probably the, 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 the lesson for us this morning as this unfolds. Paul was saying, if I'm going to be redeployed, and maybe we can think about this in the sense of the pandemic too, right? As Paul is, is chained up under house arrest, he's saying, I think I'm about to be redeployed. Kind of the same thing for us. As we're coming out of this pandemic, I think we're about to be redeployed. 
And, and what, what Paul is getting at here is if that be the case, if I'm redeployed in this fight for the kingdom of God, I, I'm going to be ready. And, and I know this one thing for sure, because I may not know all the details about what that redeployment's going to mean. But even if I don't know the details, this is what I know for sure, that that redeployment is going to be for Jesus Christ, it's going to be with Jesus Christ, it's going to be about Jesus Christ. This is what he means when he says, to live is Christ. If I'm redeployed, it is for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's not for me. It's for him. And the same thing out of the pandemic, it is for him. To live is Christ. If we are blessed with our health, and we come out of this on the other side to live is Christ. You see, this was far more of a, a realization than just understanding that Jesus Christ was his commanding officer. And some of us could do well with that, to know that Jesus is our commanding officer who's giving us orders day by day. He, he knew that. But he, he, he began to understand the beauty of it and the hope of it and the power of it. See, the, the Spirit was, was working in Paul's life and he was understanding correctly that nothing in this life is worth doing or having apart from Jesus Christ. If Jesus isn't in it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter if we have another day. It doesn't matter what we have. If Jesus isn't in it, it doesn't matter. If Jesus isn't in it, it is worthless. All of the things on our calendar, all of the things that we are about, all of the things that we are doing, if Jesus Christ isn't in it, it is worthless. In fact, what we understand in this is following Jesus Christ makes everything else in this world make sense. If we are going to live one more day, we need to know Christ because he's the one that's going to provide the structure and the power and the authority and the hope and all that we need to make it through and to make it through so that we flourish and so that we have life on the other end. You see, every bit of work that Paul was going to do was going to be for Jesus Christ. He was going to make sure that he then said the name Jesus over and over again, that that would be a priority to say his name, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, it's interesting that in the, in the letter to the Philippians, it's only 104 verses. It is a short book of the Bible. But in those 104 verses, Paul says the name Jesus Christ 51 times. Almost every other verse, or averages about every other verse, he says the name Jesus Christ because that's where his authority and his power came from. That's where hope was, in the name of Jesus. This is the name that we live for, the name that we fight for, the only name that matters. And we hope that the Holy Spirit is shaping us in that way. We hope that the Holy Spirit is working in this church, our church, in that way so that we increasingly love Jesus Christ, that we might even repeat, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, a lot of people, though, picture Jesus differently. It's almost as if they picture Jesus as a trinket that you pull out of the drawer when you're feeling overwhelmed. Or maybe it's something more like this. I was talking to Tom Gibbs, the pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian this week. And, and Tom said it this way, that a lot of believers think that Jesus Christ is just the, the cherry on top of their ice cream life. 
that it's as if Jesus is a bit of garnish that tops off this sweet life that we've served ourselves. And I think Tom's right. That's a complete misrepresentation of, of who Jesus is. Jesus is not something that we add to our lives like holiday decorations. He is our life. To live is Christ. You know, there's nothing better. The most rewarding days of our lives come when we finally surrender to Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. And, and when we finally surrender to him, we get trained up in, in the ways of God. We, we get to, to work and serve in this kingdom of God that is ever advancing day by day, the only kingdom that will stand victorious at the end of time. We get to serve in and to serve with. It's a beautiful thing. And what happens, our physical actions, they, they line up with our spiritual nature within the will of God. And, and when that happens, when our physical actions and spiritual nature line up with God and the Holy Spirit is in it, we flourish. That's, that's when life becomes vibrant. There's, there's flowers in our life. There's fruit in our life that's producing something that's beyond ourselves. And, and without that, without the work of the Christ, we just wither and we die. There's no value in life. There's no hope in life. We become isolated and withering. So we need him, and we need to walk in step with him. And, so it, and you see, Paul here, he can't help but to dream. As he's chained to a guard and can't leave his house for two years, he can't help but to dream about what is God going to do next? How is God going to use me either with the guards or I get set free? How is God going to use me in the church in the days ahead? Because God's going to do mighty things in and through me. God's going to do mighty things in the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit is in this. You see, to those that follow Jesus Christ, God, God is preparing for you. Not only a place beyond, but preparing for you a work here and now. A work in the kingdom of God, a work in his surface. And your life is going to be changed. The, the people around you are going to be changed. You're, you're going to train up those spiritual muscles that you didn't even know you had. God's going to, to invest heavily in your life. And what you're going to see is God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your work. God has a plan for your family, your children. God has a plan for you this very week to do miraculous and holy things. If only we would listen. If only we would be obedient and follow Jesus Christ every step of the way. God has mighty things in store for you. But far too often we run away. We feel scared or unprepared. We don't think we're ready, but God's ready. Jesus is ready if we would only but surrender unto his call that's on our life. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, we don't really like to talk about death. And I think that's one of the reasons when we, that we, we talk about bucket lists or last meals when death comes up. Occasionally, though, when, when death comes up in conversation, it can turn to heaven. And actually, I've, I've heard that happen recently a couple of times that, that caught me off guard, the way people were describing heaven. In fact, when I heard these two descriptions of heaven, it reminded me that we need to talk about death more and we need to talk about heaven more so that we have a holy perspective on those things. You see, for the person who repents and believes in Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, 
death was defeated at the cross. The, the crucifixion is the sign that we have won and are victorious over death itself. And we live on after this body gives up. Death becomes a passing from its temporal world into an eternal one with God that is beautiful and perfect. But I heard one guy before describe heaven or the heaven that he longed for as fishing. He said, I think heaven is going to be me in a boat by myself in the middle of the wilderness fishing all day, every day for eternity. Heaven is so much more than that. I heard another, too, recently, a person that's not a believer demeaning heaven. The way they described heaven was sitting in a wooden pew for a thousand years. And I promise you, God loves you more than that. In fact, that might be the description of hell that's there. God loves you so much more than that. In fact, it's like, like Larry, led before, Larry read before, Jesus has told us, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That this is a place that, that is good and perfect and right. And it's a place, and we know as we read through Scripture, that it is a place that is absent of pandemics. It's a place where natural disasters no longer exist. It's a place where death doesn't happen. It's a place where politics were set by a just king. They said, I, I have this in store for you. There is a place and there's a hope in eternity for you that there is a day coming when God is going to set the world right. There's a day coming when we will live in perfection with our holy creator. And there's a day coming when there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that's filled with a joy that, that is holy and unmistakable. And there's a day coming when all of our suffering will be permanently done away with. Tears will be done away with, and there will be shouts of joy because God has made things right. God has healed everything that we have broken. God has taken care of every sin that's ever happened on the face of this earth. There, there's a place and a time coming where God sets all of this right, and we look forward with, with anxious anticipation saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. So we know that to live is Christ. And to die is to gain a seat at the feast of heaven. You know, one of the difficulties of this pandemic is all of us have, have seemingly been coming closer to death in this. Or at the very least, we've, we've all had a lot more conversations about death and dying. How did you respond when those conversations of death happened? Were you nervous? Were you scared? Were you angry? Because there's another way, the way of Jesus Christ, where death is an entryway into heaven, that death is a moment of hope for what is next. It's, it's a moment of, of great anticipation. It's followed by a resurrection. It's followed by this new life that we long for. We do not fear death, nor do we fear the fires of hell, because we know Jesus Christ. Would you surrender to him this morning and be set free from this fear, be set free from the tyranny of death because Jesus Christ has already conquered it. And so it's, it's time for us to commit to that Lord and Savior today or for some of us to recommit and to recognize that my life is Christ 
is for him and with him the rest of this afternoon. And if we are graciously given tomorrow, given tomorrow it is for the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you, a repentant people. Some of us have ignored your call, Father. Others of us haven't lived up to it. And we pray now asking you to forgive us. And we call on your Holy Spirit to heal us. God, would you come? Come and make things right. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.